Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. The title of the message today is Go with the flow. One of the things that we've really enjoyed being here uh, in Moses Lake, especially as uh, my son B has gotten a little bit older, is uh, the Moses Lake Swim Park. And uh, one of the things that he enjoys doing and that we enjoy doing uh, is the lazy river. And uh, you can just sit in your floaty. You can just kind of float along. Uh, You don't have to do much work. It just kind of takes you where you want to go. Uh, A little bit less calm would be maybe some rapids that uh, if you uh, just uh, were in a floaty going down some rapids, uh, might be a little bit less calm than uh, if you were trying to do it in the lazy river. Uh, but I think about as we go with the flow, that's kind of the whole point of the rapids, that you're not trying to fight against gravity. You're not trying to fight against the flow of what the river is doing. You're going with it. If you were trying to paddle against the rapids, you would not get very far at all. And as we look at Hebrews chapter 13, we are encouraged that God has given us so many incredible things. He has put so many things into our life that he intends that we would go along with the flow of it, that he has a plan to work in us and through us, that he would accomplish his will through our lives. And what the writer here tells us is that we are charged to not fight against what God wants to do, but instead to go with the flow of what he has given to us, that it would flow out of us into every avenue of our life. We don't necessarily have one verse that we're going to stand and start with, but I would like, as we look at uh, the Lord uh, giving things to us, accomplishing his work and his mission, we're going to see this starting off in verses 20 and 21. And then we're going to backtrack to see what it is that he wants to do in and through us. But we're going to start off in verse number 20, looking at who is this God that wants to do something in and through you? All of us uh, starting off in life and even as we are raised have preconceived notions of what the Lord is like of what a God would do, what his actions or his attitudes are. But as we come to these verses, we're going to see first the God that wants to work in you and through you. We're going to see what kind of God he is. Verse number 20. I'm going to read verses 20 and 21, and then we'll, we'll backtrack and go through. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's this ending prayer for this entire book in which the author has highlighted, hey, Jews that are undergoing heavy persecution because you have accepted Christ and it is unpopular with those who maybe grew up with you, those that are in the same ethnic group as you, those that were formerly in the same religion as you, you are undergoing persecution. Jesus is better than anything that you have known before. 
And now here the prayer at the end is, Jesus is going to work in you and through you, and here's the kind of God he is. He says, now the God of peace. Each of us in life go through various storms and struggles, things that we do not know what is happening. We don't know how it's going to be rectified. It could be a health situation that is turbulent and we don't have answers or that we are struggling with and the answer is it's not going to get much better. We all have circumstances in which it is a relationship struggle where we wonder if there will ever be peace with this person or with this spouse or with this sibling. There are times in which maybe it is a job struggle or maybe it is a financial struggle, storms that we're going through that we need to realize that the God that works in us and wants to work through us is the God of peace. He is called the Prince of Peace. He is the one that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not need to fear any evil because he is with us. So he is the God of peace. He is the God that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. He is the resurrecting God. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And what comfort that brings to us, that uh, both for ourselves, that uh, I think of these believers that were wondering, okay, well, am I going to die today? Am I going to die this week? Uh, I, I know some others that have died. He is the God that uh, brought Jesus back to life. And because of that, we can have full assurance that whatever seems impossible with man, with God, it is completely possible. So because of that, the God that wants to work in and through you is the God of peace, will bring peace to your struggles and to your storms. He is the God who resurrects and who makes alive again. He is the God who is our Lord Jesus. He is the sovereign one. That whatever comes into our life, whatever he has called us to, we can trust him because he is not going to bring a flow into our life that will lead us to devastation and ruin. Instead, whether it's great times or bad times, we can know that he is with us, that his plans, as Romans 8.28 says, his plans are for our good and for his glory. His thoughts towards us are not to harm us, but that in every situation, even in our suffering, that we would be like Christ who died, who suffered, but who was raised again. And so because he is sovereign, because he is in control, that there is no circumstance that will ever come into your life that he has not ordained and brought to you, you are not out of his hands. You are in his hands and in his control. So you can trust him because he has good plans for your life. He's the God of peace. He is the resurrecting God. He is the sovereign Lord. He is that great shepherd of the sheep. This uh, is the word in Greek, poimen. It's, it's uh, many places translated as pastor. He is the shepherd. He is the one that comes alongside of you, that leads you to nourishment. I think of Psalm 23, that he is the one that leads us to green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He restores our soul. He is the one that daily cares for you and watches over you. He is the one that uh, when a sheep has gone astray, he leaves the 99 to bring them back in. This is the God that daily cares and watches over your soul. The God of peace, the resurrecting God, the sovereign Lord, 
our daily caring shepherd. And then it says, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, this is the God that gave up his own life sacrificially with abandon so that we would be reconciled to God. Because all of us have sinned. Pastor mentioned it earlier. All of us have sinned. All of us naturally Uh, the flow of our life was that we were sinners. And because we were sinners, because we have thought and said and done things that run contrary to what God has said in his word, there has to be a punishment. Romans 6.23 says that the wages, the earnings of sin is death. And so because of that, all of us were on a natural course to hell that God didn't even have to intervene in order to send us there. We were already on our way to hell. But because of Christ's all-sufficient merit, because of his sacrifice that he paid on the cross, because he shed his blood, now there is an everlasting covenant that to every person that turns from sin and turns to Christ asking for forgiveness, that turns to him as Savior and Lord, they can know that there is no condemnation against them anymore, that they are not on their way to hell, but that they are on their way to heaven, that they have a relationship with God, that he has given them a new family and a new purpose and new joy. He has given us a everlasting covenant. There will not come a point three million years from now where God says, "Ah, I was pretty good to Jim for the last three million years, but uh, I think that's about all that I paid for. And so, uh, Jim, you can can scoot out of heaven now. I'm kind of done with you. No, no, no. There will never be a day if you have accepted Christ's payment for sin on your behalf. There will never be a day when God turns his back on you. It is an everlasting covenant. So this is the God that wants to work in us, the God of peace, the resurrecting God, uh, the sovereign Lord, the daily caring shepherd, the one who loves sacrificially and with abandon forever. And we see his purpose in verse number 21. It says uh, that he will make you perfect in every good work to do his will. This word make you perfect is to make you complete, to equip you, to furnish you, to prepare you for every good work. When we think about what would make our lives perfect or complete, we think, oh man, if I just had this much money in the bank, my life would be complete. It'd be perfect. We think if I had this relationship or if this relationship was restored, I would be complete and perfect. We think if I had this job or if I lived in this house, I would be perfect complete. I'm set. But that's not how God thinks about our life. God is not concerned with giving us stuff in order to make us complete. Instead, just as Christ came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, when God works in us, his goal is that we would be made complete or perfect in every good work to do his will. And that necessitates that we are interacting with other people. As Americans, we we have a very individualistic society where uh, if I want some food, uh, in the words of Burger King, I want it my way. Uh, if, uh, if we want to listen to some music, you can have 17 different choices of what kind of music thing you want. Apple Music, Spotify, a record player, a tape player, uh, or something else. And you don't even have to go out and actually see a musician. You can just pull it up on your phone and you don't ever have to see 
anyone. You can set doctor's appointments without talking to a doctor. <laughs> uh, after 2020, you can even see your doctor uh, without having to leave your couch. That's the way in which we like it to be. We like to be all by ourselves and not have to interact with anyone else. But God is preparing in us to be able to do good works. I think of Ephesians 2 and verse number 10 where it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. The purpose of God in your life is not to give you a list of stuff, is not to give you money or financial uh, gain. God's goal in your life is that you would be equipped to do good on his behalf. That as he has been good to you, all of the things that we listed from verse number 20, all the things that he is to us, that we would pass that on to others. So, we understand God is incredible and amazing. He is all of these things, and he wants to do good works through us. I see there in the end of verse number uh, 21, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Do you see that it's him working in you? It's not you working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. You are, not, uh, you are not enough on your own to please the Lord. But with Christ working in you, that realizing who he is and what he has done on your behalf, realizing through his Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, you can live a life that is well-pleasing to God. Many of us have had maybe a, uh, a job or a relationship where we didn't really know if we were making our boss happy. We didn't really know if we were making our boyfriend or girlfriend happy. And in those instances, it can be a little bit nerve-wracking going, oh, well, I really hope I don't get fired today. No, no, no. We can realize as Christians that what we do is well-pleasing in the sight of God, that God is not angry at you. God is not like, ah, I really wish this person could do a little bit more for me. No, no, no. As we allow Christ to work in us and through us, we can know that what we are doing is well-pleasing to God. So what is well-pleasing to God? What are ways in which our life can be pleasing to God? What does he want to do in and through us? I see this in verses 15 through 19 of the passage. There are three specific ways that the author mentions. The first in verse 15 is that we would wholeheartedly identify with Christ. We would go with the flow and allow God to work in us that we would wholeheartedly identify with Christ. Verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. This word here, giving thanks is uh, in Greek the word homo legeo, to say the same thing. Uh, almost uniformly throughout the rest of the New Testament, uh, it's translated as confess or profess, to confess to the name of Jesus. We are to wholeheartedly identify with Christ. Obviously, the, the passage that comes up the most, uh, the, the clearest with this thought is uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So to wholeheartedly identify with Christ, first, I would encourage you, profess him as your savior. 
especially as this is uh, the last time from this pulpit that I will be able to communicate this message. If you do not know Christ as Savior, do not put it off. You will not naturally, just by happenstance, go to heaven. You will not, just by attending a service at a church, you will not get into heaven. You will not get into heaven by giving money. There is only one way to get into heaven, that he paid it all on the cross. He is the one with the all-sufficient merit. So as a result, to spit in the face of God and to say, your sacrifice, your death on the cross is not acceptable to me. I reject it is a damnable offense before a holy God who with a torrent of love and sacrifice on his behalf, he gave it all to us and calls us to worship him wholly, to confess him, to turn from our sin and to turn entirely to Jesus, to say, Christ, I have sinned. I need your salvation. I turn to you and I will follow you instead of my own way. As we turn to him, we wholeheartedly identify with Christ. If you have never done that, I would encourage you today, talk to myself, talk to one of our pastors, talk to maybe a friend or a parent or a spouse. Get that settled today. You are not guaranteed another day to reject Christ. It is the most important thing you could ever know in your life. Do you know Jesus as Savior? Secondly, I see from this verse to wholeheartedly identify with Christ, point to him with your speech. Uh, we are to offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, confessing to or giving thanks to his name. When people hear you speak, your, your tone, your vocabulary, uh, even some of your online interactions, is it clear and obvious that you are a Christian? Or are you just like everybody else? Just like someone that doesn't know Christ as Savior? Does grace and love and peace characterize your words? Or do gossip and slander and profanity characterize your words? God has given you a mouth. God has given you a tongue. God has given you uh, words to be able to speak and people to speak them to or to uh, type them to. Are you pointing and identifying with Christ in your speech? Then I see praise him with your singing. Here it is the sacrifice of praise. Serving here uh, in the music ministry for the past five years, uh, has been a wonderful joy. And I've been able to see uh, so many people sing from the heart to the Lord in times when uh, everything was going great and so they felt like they could praise the Lord and times when everything was crashing down around them and they still chose to praise the Lord. And I see here that it is a sacrifice of praise. We do not sing in church because we really like music. We do not sing in church because I really like these particular instruments and I really don't like these particular instruments. That's not why we sing. 
We sing because God has given us a reason to sing. We sing because we sing the words of Scripture back to him. Uh, I think of so many of the songs that we sang even this morning, lines taken directly from Scripture and slapped onto your screens that you learn the word of God as you sing. I think of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 19, where as the Spirit works in us, we are to praise Him with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. I think of Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16, where we are to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom, singing and uh, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And I tell you that sometimes it is a sacrifice of praise. There have been plenty of times over the past five years where we've sung songs that aren't my favorite, but I knew, hey, this is going to bless this person. These are the words of scripture, maybe in a tune that they've known all of their life that will bless them, and I'm gonna do it wholeheartedly. Sometimes there's been a new song that I'm like, ah, I, don't, I don't really love that one as much, but after singing through the words of scripture in song, the song became dear to me that I realized, oh, okay, well, it's, it's not about a particular tune. It's not about a particular instrument. This is, I'm declaring God's truth and any chance I have to do that, whether it's a joy and it's not really that much of a sacrifice for me to praise or if it is a sacrifice that I'm, I'm working through it, it is a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. Praise him with your singing. Identify with Christ especially in our corporate worship. If someone were to look at you during a song service, the, the point of this verse is not, hey, uh, if, if you are singing in church, then you better have a great voice. That's nowhere, that's not in there. You don't have to have a great voice. You don't have to have a loud voice. It can be a whisper. It can be, there have been times in my life where I am broken either through uh, sorrow or through just being touched by the words of the lyrics of a song where all I can do is mouth it out. There have been times when all I could do uh, was simply lift my hands and weep. But when people look at you in your singing, are you wholeheartedly identifying with Christ? In 2024, I, I would beg you as a church family, Sing out to the Lord, not to make Noah happy, not to make pastor happy, not to impress someone around you. Sing out to the Lord because he is worthy, because he, uh, the minor prophets would tell us that God rejoices over us with singing, that he sings about his love for us. Will we sing back to him about our love for him? So wholeheartedly identify with Christ, profess him as your savior, point to him with your speech, praise him with your singing in others. We can see this in verse number 16, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. When we think about worship, when we think about sacrifices, we think about things that we do in a religious service. Many times people think of music in connection with worship, and in one sense, corporate worship uh, is just that, that everyone in the assembly at the same time together is saying the same words in the same tune to the same God, declaring his worth. Worthy is the lamb. We are engaging in worship, but 
The Bible talks about even things like doing good and here to communicate. It's an older English word that means to share, to distribute, to give to others. Even things like doing good and having charity towards others are sacrifices to God. And I see here as we worshipfully invest in others, the first part of the verse that we would bless others with friendship to do good. God has given you experiences, knowledge, uh, life lessons learned that he has not given to any other person, not in the same way that he's given it to you. What are you doing to benefit others to allow that flow of what God's given you? How are you using that to bless others? We, we naturally don't think about others. That's why here he says, do not forget to do good and to distribute. It is not our natural bent to care about others, to spend time on others. But over the past five years, I can tell you that I have seen many of you give of your time, give of your wisdom, give of simply life lessons that you've been able to go to someone else and say, hey, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. I've been through this too. That we would bless others with our friendship. Sometimes uh, it can be easy in the world, maybe for a tax deduction, for someone to say, okay, great, I'm sending $300,000 off to the Congo to benefit some other person. But will you bless God and will you, uh, will you bless others by doing good to them uh, that are around you? Maybe someone across the auditorium, maybe someone in your neighborhood or in your family or at your workplace that you can be a blessing to, that you can do good to them. I think of uh, even some people in our church, uh, like Anita Stewart and Lorinda Fowler, that uh, through them cooking goodies have been able to do good to others. Something just small. It doesn't have to be uh, a gigantic thing of, hey, I bought you a new car. Um, but uh, it can just be something small. You are not responsible to give what God has not given you or not placed in you, but what God has given you. Do good to others. Bless others with your friendship that you would give time to people. Maybe if there's uh, some way in which you can be a blessing, maybe God has gifted you and certain craftsman skills, and you know someone else's uh, dryer broke down, and you might know how to fix it, that you can do good to someone else. That is a sacrifice. It is well-pleasing to God. And then the last part of the verse, bless others with finances. This is very anti uh, kind of how we view money in America. In America, it's get as much as you can for as long as you can and hold on to it and grow it for as long as you can. But how the New Testament talks about our finances is God has given us his money and we are to steward it well that we are to take care of the responsibilities that we do have, things like bills or utilities or taking care of our family. But when God has given us financial resources, we are called to do good to others in that. I think even of our missions commitment that we took in the month of October, that that is one way in which we can distribute, that we can give the gospel 
to those that need it. It is both us professing Christ as Savior, uh, professing him as Lord, saying, God, uh, here's something that uh, doesn't get me any earthly good. This is a horrible investment portfolio, financially speaking, but this glorifies God. It helps people get to know Jesus that before did not know Jesus. It, it does not benefit you in a way that our world would look at uh, beneficial things, but it is a sacrifice that is well-pleasing to God, that he has given you your money. You have not earned a penny that God has not given to you. All of your working, your strength, your health, all comes from the Lord. So because of that, he is worthy of us when he says, hey, do good to others. Hey, distribute, share with others what I have blessed you with. Do that. And as always, this is from his flow, from his supply, that you are not responsible for giving every person in this room $100, unless you can afford that. If, if so, hit me up afterwards. But you are not responsible to give everyone in this room $100. Instead, just whatever God has blessed you with, if you see someone in need, if you see someone struggling, give to them. I've seen our church do that time and time again over the last five years where people that were kind of at rock bottom that were hurting, the body of Christ came around them and helped supply for them financially. Man, what, what a testimony that is. A, a literal physical way in which people are able to feel like God is there for them because God, through his people, has benefited them. So first we see that we ought to wholeheartedly identify with Christ. If, if you can kind of think of it this way, it's that God in his goodness is filling us. And so that spills out of us personally that we would identify with Christ. We would profess him as savior. We would speak about him and like him, that we would sing to him and about him. Then we worshipfully invest as that flow comes. Then it flows out to other people that we do good to them. We benefit them with friendship and with whatever gifts that God has given us, maybe even with our finances. And then we can see here in verses 17 through 19 that we are called to wisely imitate our spiritual leaders. Verses 17 through 19 say this, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience and all things willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Wisely imitate your spiritual leaders. It is not happenstance that you have the pastors that you have at Moses Lake Baptist. I think of Ephesians chapter four, where it says that after Christ rose from the dead as one of the things that he did in his resurrection power, that he gave gifts to men. He gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists. And then he says he gave pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. God has specifically given the pastors of this church not just for you to uh, maybe see once a week on a Sunday and be able to go, oh, okay, that was, that was a real good Bible verse. Thank you, I'm gonna go now. No, no, no. 
they have a sacred mission from the Lord. That, that mission from the verse is this. They watch for your souls as they that must give an account. The pastors of this church are watching after you and your soul, your innermost person. They care when you hurt. They care when you are going through rough times. They care when you have doubts and struggles with your faith. They care when you are wondering how you're going to continue in the Christian walk. They genuinely care about you. I've been in so many meetings over the past five years in which we have said, okay, how can we help this person? This person needs prayer. This person is asking for uh, maybe some discipleship, maybe some help in this area of their Christian walk. Hey, this person is asking about how they can uh, talk about the Lord with a friend. This person is really struggling right now with their walk with the Lord. How can we be a blessing to them? Can I encourage you? The, the command from scripture is that we would wisely imitate our spiritual leaders. Here are the first word, obey. Uh, this is not if Pastor Rob tells you, hey, go get me a, a slushy or an icy. It does not mean you have to do that. The word here is uh, to imitate, to follow, to be fully persuaded that what your spiritual leaders do, you are able to follow those steps. And I can testify that the men, uh, the pastors of this church are ones that you can follow wholeheartedly. That I have seen their interactions with people, both in public and in private. I have seen their social media interactions. And I can tell you that the way that they talk to people, I can tell you that the way that they love people, the way that they talk about the Lord, the way they spend their finances is something that can absolutely be imitated and followed. I have been blessed so many times by being able to see uh, Pastor Rob and how he interacts with people that uh, maybe I didn't know how to deal with a problem person before, but after seeing Pastor Rob deal with me, now I know how I'm supposed to treat other people. And I would encourage you to that end, get to know your spiritual leaders, get to know your pastors, get to know the deacons of the church. I, I uh, intentionally, uh, some of you may never have seen the pre-service announcements that happened before the countdown, uh, just because of when you come into church. But if you've seen the pre-service announcements, I always have uh, the, the pastoral staff that is on the slides so that you can see, and then you can talk to that person that you might uh, not know. Okay, well, I don't know who this guy is. I hear everyone talking about Pastor Carlos, but I've never seen him before because he's down in kids' class. Well, you can see him on the slides. It's also in the pre-service announcements and post-service announcements that you would be able to talk with, to have a relationship with people whose entire job is not to put on a show on Sunday morning, whose entire job is not just uh, janitorial stuff here at the church. Their job is caring for your soul. So get to know them and see their manner of life and imitate them. That is that word follow, obey them that have the rule over you. And then this next word, submit yourselves. Oh, I forgot I had a slide for these. First, you join in their actions. You, you obey, you follow them. You join in what they're doing, you're doing. 
And then secondly, join in their aspirations. This is submit. Uh, There in verse number 17, submit yourselves. That the goals and the mission and where the pastoral staff says, hey, we believe that God is leading us this way as a church, that we would follow wholeheartedly. That we wouldn't be so fixated on, oh, well, maybe if I was in charge, I would do this. Well, no, no, that's, that's not what the scripture says. Now, that doesn't mean that you never recommend anything. It doesn't mean that you don't talk through things. I can promise you any direction, any decision that our pastoral staff has ever made, we have made through agonizing prayer and all the minutia of, okay, how will this affect this group of people? How will this uh, hurt or help this person? They're always thinking through you and caring for you as people because they are watching for your souls. They are never going to do anything flippantly. So I would encourage you, through obeying scripture, submit to your pastors and follow them. Join in their aspirations. That if they're like, hey, we're gonna do this outreach together as a church, don't be like, all right, that's great. You guys have fun with that. No, no, no. Join in the action. Join in the aspiration. Say, I would love to follow in what God is leading because these are not just random people. God has placed them in your life for a purpose. So allow them to live out their purpose. And then I see, uh, lastly, join in appealing for them. See this in verses 18 and 19. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things living to, uh, willing to live honestly. That it becomes so much easier for us to join in the actions of what our leaders are doing and joining in the aspirations and the goals and the direction that our leaders are going if we are praying for them. If we're saying, Lord, please keep them in love with you. Please keep them obeying you. Please keep uh, their families safe. Please help them to uh, be able to be uh, good evangelists for you. As we are praying for them, if we're saying, God, please guide their vision, guide their direction, guide the way uh, that they are leading our church to go, then it becomes a lot easier to follow, to imitate their actions, and to join in their aspirations. Because if you're praying for them and you're asking God to help them in those things, then you can believe that God is answering your prayer and you can say, okay, I prayed that God would guide their actions and their aspirations. Well, the only way to put kind of feet to that prayer to say, well, I believe that God will do what I've asked is to join in those actions and aspirations. The the seriousness of this verse is found, uh, or of this thought is found in the end of verse number 17. Your pastors watch for your souls as those that must give an account that they may do it with joy. Your pastors will give an account to God for every decision that they made, for every thing that they have told you, hey, God wants you to do this. For every time that they have said, hey, church, let's do this together. Let's do this community outreach. They will give an answer to the one who is the great shepherd, the great pastor. So can I encourage you? Pray for them. (laughs) That is a heavy load. And I think here uh, we are to obey and submit to our pastors uh, because they watch for our souls 
uh, as they that must give an account, so that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Man, how would you like it if someone came into your workplace and specifically tried to make your job harder so that at the end of the day, when they report to their manager, they go, hey, this customer came in and just started throwing papers all around and they kicked my dog and I don't know what else would happen and uh, how someone could undo all of the things that, that you would want to do. But as Christians, as believers, let us be those that would have a relationship, a genuine relationship with our pastors that we would know what they do, that we can follow and imitate their actions, that we would join in their aspirations, that we would pray for them. Let us do that so that they can give a joyful account and say, man, I am so glad that so-and-so is at our church. They are on fire for the Lord. They love God. They love people. They're trying to be a blessing to people. For, uh, for going with the flow, it is God has given us our spiritual leaders that watch over us, that care for us. And so then we ought to imitate their actions and their aspirations and we ought to pray for them. We said at the very beginning that your life will be pleasing to God as you allow Christ to work in and through you. Christ has given you all of his redemption, his sacrifice, his love, his relationship with God. Will you wholeheartedly identify with Christ? God has given you your experiences, your hobbies, your joys, your life lessons, your finances. Will you use them to worshipfully invest in others? God has given you spiritual leaders, pastors, and teachers to be able to benefit your life. Will you, uh, because of what God has given to you, will you allow that to flow out into action and motivation and vision and prayer for them? Three questions and we'll close today. Are you clearly identifying with the one who died to save you? If you do not know Christ, today is the day of salvation. Do not put it off. Your soul is far too valuable and beloved by God to put off for another moment, surrendering to Christ as your Lord and Savior, turning from your own way, turning from trusting in you to wholeheartedly following the Lord. Have you clearly identified yourself with Christ in salvation? If you are a believer, are your actions, are your words, is your singing identifying you with the one who died to save you? Are you sacrificially giving to others what God has given to you? God's not going to ask more from you than he has given to you. But what are you doing with what God has given you? Are you allowing it to flow out to benefit and to bless others? And then lastly, are you willingly following the spiritual leaders that God has given you? Do you know them? Do you pray for them? Are you seeking to follow their spiritual manner of life as one that has seen your pastors and your spiritual teachers week in and week out for five years? I can tell you that they are godly men and women who are absolutely 
uh, incredible models to be able to follow. And you will be benefited if you get to know them. You will be benefited if you spend time with them. And they have walks with the Lord that can absolutely uh, be imitated. And your spiritual life will be incredibly benefited as you follow the spiritual leaders that God has given you. As we go with the flow, we have two choices. We can either fight against the grand rapids of the torrent of everything that God has given us. We can simply become a dam that keeps all of God's goodness for just us, or we can choose to be a conduit, a channel, a river through which God's goodness flows through us to everyone around us.